Welcome to the build-up on Balls.ie in association with Labrooks. Please bet responsibly. Visit dunlui.net for further information. Hello and welcome to the build-up podcast here on Balls.ie in association with Labrooks, where we get you hyped for the sporting weekend. My name is Mark Farley, and as always, I'm joined by Mick McCarthy. And Mick, this week, our day of reckoning has come because we're going to look back at some predictions we made at the start of the Premier League season. And I'm scared. We've got lots more coming up as well. We're also going to chat to Jason Bailey with this. I'm particularly scared of it. Look, Mark, I've had a look. I, I, spoiler alert. Uh, I won't give you any spoilers other than to say it's not great. But then again, I don't think people should be held accountable for their predictions. You know, it was a weird season. It was the COVID yeah. Premier League. It was, uh, you know, we would have definitely been right on all of them if, uh, if, if the season didn't kind of end and then restart. No doubt about it. I'm, I'm very confident. There, I can excuse that. I agree with you. Obviously, mostly the reason I agree with you is because uh, I'm involved in this as well. <laughs> One thing I wasn't involved in was your big shout last week, Mick. And uh, you achieved something quite incredible because we've, we've been wrong a lot on this podcast, but you were yeah. very wrong. We have been wrong. Look, let's face it, the big shout is, uh, is something that I've come to. You know, every, every week I think I'm going to win it when I do it, no doubt about it. But uh, no doubt about it. But at the same time, uh, my record hasn't been great. And like, what I did this week was a new low slash high, even for me, and the rotten luck uh, that I've had. But I think that uh, the people who run uh, the Hurricanes Rugby Club in New Zealand owe me a pint of something, uh, you know, so, some nice New Zealand delicacy, because uh, a 36-game unbeaten streak by the Canterbury Crusaders was ended at the weekend because they formed part of my big shout accumulator. 36 games, Mark. They lost to the Hurricanes in an absolute cracker. I actually really enjoyed it on Thursday morning, but I was devastated. Um, now, I wouldn't have won anyway. I had, I had Tony Fina to finish in top five. The first golf one that's come off for me in a while. I was delighted with that. Uh, the Blues won later in the day. The Brumbies won also in Super Rugby. Uh, but there was a few other things wrong as well. The West Indies, the rain did come at Old Trafford, uh, Mark, but unfortunately, the West Indies, it turns out, are absolutely useless, and England still <laughs> beat the shit out of them, so that was over yesterday, yesterday early enough, so that I think they won with half a day to spare, and uh, Spurs somehow didn't beat Crystal Palace, but yet still got what they wanted, so my big shout was predictably half and half, like it always is, but I'm saying only I could end, single-handedly end, a 36-game winning streak, with possibly my first ever bet on Super Rugby. That is quite a feat, to be fair. Um, as I mentioned, we will later on the show, I will be in the big shout hot seat and trying to win myself two cakes in a sports biography. We'll have that coming up later. We'll be playing one, two, three. We're also going to chat GA and club championships with PJ Brown. He'll be, I was going to say in studio. I keep saying that. You just get used, you get so used to it. He'll be on the line because we're not in the studio. We're obviously podcasting from home. Uh, we'll be chatting to him later on. Uh, and as I mentioned, the Premier League predictions. But up first, we're going to talk to Jason Quigley because there's a little rumour going around that he could be set to fight Canelo Alvarez. Delighted now to be joined on the line by Jason Quigley to discuss the big rumours that have been going around on the internet. Is it true, Jason? Do you listen to Marty Moan when they're getting ready for a boxing fight? Hold on a second. Help it up, sir. It's actually like, I've got asked, obviously, a good few times now about that there, so they're like, is that true, really? And all that. I was like, to be honest, I, and somebody mentioned to me, they're like, 
is it because I'm away from home? And I was like, could possibly be like, because you're you're a long way from home and you get a bit nervous getting ready for a fight. So you probably want anything with kind of home comforts and uh, you couldn't get more home comforts than only all than hit the dump. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a bag of Jude as well as you. But uh, the, the Canelo Alvarez rumors, tell us, how did this start and where is it now? Yeah, it's everything's still on track, to be honest. It probably started about three, well, I heard first off about three weeks ago that um, oh, my manager called me up and says he interested in the Canelo Alvarez fight. And uh, I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, yeah, 100%, without a doubt. And I goes, like, has the fight been offered? And he says, yeah, the fight has been offered to you. Um, they're just finalizing the last few opponents for the shortlist. And I says, uh, oh, 100% stick my name down there. And uh, the, my name was in the shortlist. I agreed to the fight and everything like that. It had been cut down into maybe two fighters. And I think I'm going to be one of the two or one of the three fighters that uh, that's going to be fighting Canelo Alvarez. And obviously being with Golden Boy and everything like that, it's a very easy fight to be made between myself and Canelo. And uh, fingers crossed now they can get that uh, over the line. Uh, what was it like just in terms of for yourself you're probably you know you were looking at say you thought Jack Cullen might be your next fight you were getting ready but all of a sudden did this just come out of the blue or had you an inkling that it was a possibility beforehand yeah I had an inkling not Canelo no I didn't really know that that high of a fight was was on the horizon I knew I'd be in touch with Golden Boy and they says we have uh, we have we're going to get you a big fight and um, I says, well, that's what I'm training for. That's what I'm all about. I says, line them up. <laughs> and, uh, so they uh, they got in touch then. Well, my management got in touch with me. I thought possibly it was going to be Jamie Mungia. I thought that was the fight that they were going to that they were going to put forward to me, and I was all over that one. But um, yeah, he called me up and says Canelo Alvarez, and I was like, well, I suppose that's a big enough fight. <laughs> <laughs> And what are we? Are we talking super mid for? Um, yeah, yeah. If if that fight goes ahead, that fight will be a super middleweight, and um, you know I'm I'm very happy to go into super middleweight. The the weight cut won't be as as drastic as usual, and yeah. Um, yeah so no, without a doubt, like as anybody that has been following my career and watching my fights, like they'll see that I'm a very tall middleweight. You know what I mean? Many um, of the fighters that I have fought have been a bit shorter but a bit more chunkier so um, I definitely have the room to move up into uh, super middleweight I have the height everything like that and uh, I can fill out a wee bit more into that weight as well yeah I, the first time we ever spoke well I ever spoke to you um, we talked about you know I think you just you were coming off the the defeat um, a year or so ago and you were like look my aim is to go and be world champion and like that's that's always what you've talked about and and it, you've been kind of unwavering on that and it's it's always been kind of really really refreshing i suppose there's a difference between kind of having a long term plan to go and be world champion after having uh 19 fights then going in against probably the number 1 pound for pound boxer in the world and the most famous boxer in the world you know uh almost like straight away after a kind of an enforced break through the pandemic and everything like that um, it's obviously such a massive opportunity and a massive fight and, and your belief in yourself is it but it must be some like it's fair to say that you've never fought anybody kind of in this 
anywhere close to this caliber before. I, I'm just wondering, is there any kind of a, is there any kind of mixed feelings at, at, at all about it because of you'd have a path in your head of how you're going to get there and how long it's going to take and how many fights and stuff, you know? Yeah, without a doubt, you know, you have a game plan and you have a path where you, where you want your career to go and how you're going to get there. But when opportunities like this come knocking, yeah. these are types of opportunities that you, that you can't turn away. On the grand scale of things, it's probably not the ideal fight in terms of the plan and agreement that we kind of had on how to get myself to that world title fight. But you're just probably bypassing a few steps, really, yeah. to getting in there. And like, I'm a, I'm very realistic. I know I'm going to be a massive underdog going into that fight. And you know, I know a lot of people have said to me on Twitter, especially. Nobody's really said it to my face, but a lot of people on Twitter especially have been saying like, oh, like, how, what's the story with you and Canelo? Like, he's way above you. He's leagues above you, everything like that. You've never fought anybody like him before and blah, blah, all, all this kind of stuff. And I was like, so for them reasons, I'm not going to take this fight of getting in with the best middleweight, super middleweight, one of the most pound for pound boxers in the world. Not only right now, that could possibly go into the history books nearly of all time. Do you know what I mean? Like, to get in with that man, experience-wise, everything, you cannot buy that type of experience, that type of exposure, that type of learning, everything on those paths. Trust me now, though, when I say this, if I didn't think I could beat him, I wouldn't get into the ring with him. Yeah, Like, I'm getting in there, and I know I'm a big underdog, but I know I have what's in me to possibly be Canelo. Otherwise, why would I get in there? Like, do you know what yeah. I mean? There, there's yeah. no, like, I'm, I'm not one of these fighters that, that just take fights to get in there, to get paid, to, to for, for whatever reason. Like, I'm going to get in there with a chance. I'm going to go in there fully, 110% prepared, focused, and have the belief in my in my head and in my heart that I can beat him. Otherwise, I wouldn't get in, in through those ropes. What is the plan if it all gets finalized? You're straight into training camp then. It's, it's, is there any word as well? Like, I suppose September, you're, you're probably going to be, there's going to be no fans at it. Is that something even that you know, you'd wish to, you know, Jesus, love to have a massive crowd, obviously, for this fight when you're in visit, when you're imagining it, you know, ah, these like, big fights? It's just, a, it is a bit of a. A hundred percent. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, um, with with this fight, I was like, imagine there could be fans. Like, imagine yeah. the Irish that would come over to that there. It would be just phenomenal. But then again, if we were in the normal situation, would I get this opportunity to fight Canelo? I'm not too sure. You know what I mean? So I have to kind of weigh it up both ways and look at it in different ways. But uh, yeah, without a doubt, like I would love if there could be fans there and you could pack the place with Irish and the Mexicans all get together. It'd be some uh, hullabaloo now for sure. <laughs> for, for a change, uh, the Mexicans and the Irish <laughs> together. Uh, you're a, like, we talk to you about other fights all the time and like we'll probably even be talking to you about like Brampton or so in a couple of weeks. But, you know, you're, um, I always say you're a student of the game. You get genuinely excited when you talk about these great fighters like... Canelo, you know, and, and, and other, other, other fighters that we've talked about over the years. Like, have you been looking at things? I, I guess you've always had an eye on, this is what I'd do if I was against them over time. But I guess suddenly you're looking at that and it's very different. And 
suddenly it becomes it's it's almost homework now when you're watching these fights and you're like have you spotted any little things that like without without giving any ga- any of the game away like have you already been kind of gone back and watched something like Kyle's had it's weird he's only like a year older than you're two years older than you but he's had like 55 professional fights he's been <laughs> yeah he's yeah, yeah no, it's, he's um you have to look back at his like obviously if any man has a defeat on his record you have to look at how he was defeated like that's the blueprint how to defeat a man. I know it was one of the best ever fighters to get into a boxing ring that beat him and Floyd Mayweather. But then you have to look at the fights where he wasn't very impressive, where people were getting the better of him, the likes of an Amir Khan. Like Amir Khan was out boxing him up until he got sparked cold. Then you have the likes of Erislandi Lara that was out boxing him. A lot of people thought he won that fight, Erislandi Lara. I was at that fight. I personally thought that Canelo did win that fight. But there was, like, I can see room for people saying that they thought Lara won it. So when, when you just take away those, those small clips, those are three boxers. Like, those are three lads that can move, that like to throw their shots, that are, you know, not flash but have a nice, loose kind of a style as well. And I think that that suits me down to the ground. Like that there kind of weighs up the type of a fighter that I am. And you look at Canelo, he likes to get inside. He likes to let shots go. He likes someone that comes to him. He doesn't really like looking for fighters. So in terms of that there, boxing him is first and foremost. But I know throughout that fight that I'm going to have to gain Canelo's respect. So I'm not going to get in there and do a can or do an Erislandi Lara and run around the ring. I'm going to get in there and I'm going to box him. But when I have to earn his respect, I'm going to bite down in my gun sheet. I'm going to plant my feet. And I'm going to hit him with absolutely everything I have to stop him coming forward, to earn and gain his respect. But I have to do it in a smart way. I have to, Me and Andy have to put the game plan together when and how is the right time to do that. And we have been working on things. As soon as I got the call that it was a possibility, me and Andy were straight into the gym. We were in the gym anyway, but we were straight in talking about the fight. He's not great against southpaws. You might see me moving into a southpaw position sometime. You know, will I, will I not do that? That's just how things go in the camp, how natural things feel. And uh, as the time goes on, everything will start to fall into place. You feel like you've been ready for, like, again, like it's almost taking Canelo out of it. Like, this is a step up that you've been ready for in general in terms of getting going to 12 rounds and going up to kind of uh, to world title level and stuff like that. There's no kind of concerns there, is there? Especially when you haven't fought in so long because of the summer, because of the weird summer that we've had. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, not just your not that you just don't fight the summers in general. <laughs> <laughs> That's too good I'm a weather too, too good I'm for not, the summer. I'm not, I'm not at that stage of my career yet. <laughs> Um, but uh, yeah without a doubt like you know um, like you're never Canelo Alvarez is the man in boxing he's the face of boxing right now and you know those opportunities you have to take them I'm ready for a massive step up I'm ready to get into the ring I'm ready to challenge for world titles challenge ex world champions everything like that there and Canelo fight is ideal for me that is what I want you know that's the that's the type of fight that that's you know how excited I get about chatting about fighters and everything like that and for me to be involved in a fight like that there 
something that I have worked my whole career towards. That's it's very special and it means a lot to me. So to get that fight would be a massive. Look, if things don't go that way and the Canelo fight falls through for whatever reason, I'm still going to be in a massive fight. I'm not going to be in any domestic or kind of fights like that. They're low-level fighters. I'm still going to be in a massive, massive fight, my next fight. It's really refreshing to hear as well. It's like you listen to a lot of sports people and they'll kind of talk about like the big days kind of pass them by because they're just so focused on the actual, you know, what they have to do, the job at hand rather than enjoying it or whatever. But from the minute this rumor was going around on the internet, you're up on Twitter, you're talking now, you're so excited about it. I presume you're also, if this does happen, you're going to be like, whatever about, you know, being focused and going to win it, you're going to also enjoy the build up to it, enjoy the fight itself. You can see it already in you nearly. Yeah, like that's the, that's the whole thing that I've started to do recently in my career. I know I, I started to enjoy the whole process of everything, enjoy the journey that I'm on, whether it's ups, downs, uh, good emotions, bad emotions. Like, because in boxing, boxing's a hard enough sport, so you might as well try to enjoy it. Like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, um, it's one of those sports that for a lot of people, they don't do it for fun. Like, you know what I mean? So, like, this is the type of sport that, that I love to do. I love to get in the ring, but the whole... Like, I love fight week. I love the build-up. I love the media. I love the talking about it, press conferences, weigh-ins, everything like that there. Even though weigh-ins can sometimes be uh, make you a bit crabbit and cranky, I still enjoy them. Like, you know what I mean? I still enjoy that whole process. And more recently, I have tried to enjoy everything leading into a fight, whether it's in camp, fight week, making weight, everything like that. But once then you step into the ring, you still have to enjoy it, but you have to turn that switch where you're vicious, you're mean, you're in there, this is your job, this means business, and you have to rip the head off him. Like, and that's the, that's the way that you have to look at it one way or another. It's either him or me. So that's the switch that you have to be able to hit whenever you step through those ropes. You have to enjoy every moment. Like, Enjoy the process of it. Enjoy the fight. Enjoy solving the puzzle that's put in front of you and uh, just take his head off while you're at it <laughs> <laughs> so you've been hit the diff with the build up as well <laughs> thanks a million Jason, Jason. Jason before we go have, have you enjoyed uh, getting Andy out of bed for uh, for some 5am workout since Andy Jr. arrived well since Andy Jr. arrived it's Andy that's up out of bed first thing in the morning because the wee man has him up not me <laughs> <laughs> but no, Andy's no no better man to uh no better man to have we Andy Jr. on his path now and God knows where he might end up. Oh god. Well we can't wait for this anyway, uh, if if and when it happens. And as you said, even if it's not, it's gonna be a huge fight anyway. So we'll chat to you before then anyway, uh because there's plenty more boxing to be to to be worrying about in the meantime. Brilliant. Brilliant. Cheers, Top stuff, lads. As always, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Hit the dough. <laughs> <laughs> Poor old Mick there with not a clue what a diff is. <laughs> I saw the clip just for this. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. Good oh. crack. That's good old boss. Great stuff there from Jason. Hopefully that comes off and we all get to see it. It's really exciting stuff. And also we'll talk to Jason in the coming weeks plenty more because there's lots of boxing back on now and plenty of big Irish fights coming up as well including that one which would uh, be great if it does happen but uh, now we're going to talk a bit about football we're going to talk, play one, two, three, 
But before that, we have to see if we even deserve to make any predictions, uh, one, two, three, or otherwise, Mick, because we're going to look back at the predictions we made on the podcast, on the build-up, yeah. for all to listen to the week before the Premier League started back in August, which feels like 10 years ago. But Mick, you've got them all down. Here's what we said on the show. How many did we get right? And more likely than likely, how many did we get wrong? We'll start with the positive, okay? I, the first thing I said, which wasn't an official bet or anything like that, was um, we're not going down, I'll tell you that much about Aston Villa. I was quite bullish. And ultimately, I was right, Mark. So whether... <laughs> whether <laughs> by the, the fact, skinnier teeth... The fact that I also had... Uh, to, by the fact that Hawkeye somehow managed uh, to miss... No, <laughs> do, you want, do you want me to go into this again? No, don't go into it. Because I'm so annoyed at that stuff. I'm, I'm, I'm full-on triggered by this Hawkeye nonsense uh, of something that happened 20 minutes into a game two months ago. I also had Villa to finish in the top half at four to one, and let's just say that didn't come off. Your big win, my big win, um, was Leicester to finish in the top six at four to one. You heartily agreed with me, and I, I just don't think you announced it on the pod, but you definitely were. Yeah. I, I, I'm giving that as a team win. I had it written uh, down on my sheet. We had four to one for Leicester to finish in the top six. They did so comfortably, and like you know, despite their late season collapse. Um, then you also had, we picked different teams to get relegated. I picked Brighton, Burnley, and Newcastle, none of whom did. You picked Sheffield United, Burnley, and Bournemouth, one of whom did. I wouldn't be necessarily giving you Bournemouth credit, but the two we talked about, the two we actually made almost separate predictions about, I went for Newcastle as my banker of the season at 2-1. to one. <laughs> I think, did you not talk me out of Bournemouth? And we're like, Mark, what are you well, doing? I was going to give it to you. So you talked about Bournemouth going down at 92 for a long time. I thought, I wasn't like necessarily disagreeing with you. I was saying that, uh, you know, that te- you were talking about how teams can get sucked into it. It can happen. Um, but then out of nowhere at the very end, you said, but I think I've changed my mind. And I'm going to put Newcastle in. You didn't say who you were taking out. And you know what, Mark? We're so devoid of good news and positivity in this section. I'm giving you Bournemouth at 92, which borderline breaks you even, actually, for the rest of your bets. Um, your player of the year selection isn't gone quite yet, in that it's Virgil van Dijk. But I did laugh at what you said, in because it's the PFA player of the year is who we're going to be going for, not the football writers, which is definitely the secondary one. But your, uh, your Van Dyke prediction was quite funny in that it was uh, shrouded in a prediction that if you think Liverpool are going to win the league, instead of backing them, back Virgil Van Dyke and Mo Salah to finish player of the year, you'll get better odds altogether. And if Liverpool win the league, there's no chance any other player wins player of the year. And of course, Jordan Henderson, um, step on down. Virgil Van Dyke should be player of the year. There, uh, I disagree. I think Sadio Mane should be player of the year, who yeah. was uh, of my prediction at 16 to 1, but my other prediction at 40 to 1, Mark. Even though I said it was a long shot, it was outsider. You agreed with me that it was the best of the outsider bets, but it seems a little bit weird now. Rodri. <laughs> <laughs> now, we'd only ever seen him play in the charity shield at the time, uh, but even so, Rodri was a deserved 40 oh. to 1 and possibly should have been 400 to 1 for a uh, player of the year award top goal scorer I wasn't too um, you didn't pick a top goal scorer I went for Mane at 11 to 1 he wasn't you got very angry at this I don't know if you remember this you told me that I was throwing my, my fake money away by picking Mane and that there was no chance that he was going to be player of the year the, the, our goal scorer the only top goal scorers that could possibly be were 
Sergio Aguero, Harry Kane, or Mo Salah. Um, just want to give you the top three of the, the goal scorers in the Premier League there? Top four, even? I, Vardy, Ings, uh, off the top of my head, yeah, Aubameyang. Sterling and Aubameyang, good man. Yeah, none of them you mentioned <laughs> when you said that. I think Mane might like, came not too far after that, uh, maybe after Salah. But again, I like the way I'm uh, you know, dismissing my wrong prediction by saying that yours was worse. Uh, you know, so relegation again. Well, we've already covered that. The top four picks. Um, I picked City, Liverpool, Spurs, and Chelsea. Right? Spurs obviously didn't get in. Manchester United. We all went for Manchester United not to make it. You went for City, Liverpool, Arsenal, and Spurs. Now I picked Chelsea. I was very glad to see that you didn't pick Chelsea, but spent 15 minutes talking about how excited you were by this Chelsea team. We talked about the fact that uh, their transfer bank could be a blessing in disguise and that they've got all these young players to come in and how beneficial that could be to the club. We really bigged up Tammy Abraham. We said that he was going to get into the team ahead of Giroud. We talked about Mason Mounds. We talked about Callum Hudson-Odoi. We talked about, we didn't talk about Reese James, fair enough, right? Okay, one of them we missed. But we did talk about how this was an exciting young Chelsea team with lots of potential. And I just want to remind in case Frank Lampard is listening to this conversation, that not everybody predicted that they were the worst team of paupers that ever lived. And if they finished 17th, he'd be doing a great job. And it's a miracle that they're in the Champions League. So, F you, Frank Lampard. And that's all I have to say about that. Uh, Took the words out of my mouth. Exactly, yeah. That's uh, Derby County and Chelsea's Frank Lampard and his dancing and his arrogance and calling other people arrogant. Uh, so where were we, Mark? Sorry, I've got a little bit distracted there. You picked Arsenal, which was hilarious. You called Pepe, without a doubt, the most exciting signing of the summer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Why did we decide to do this segment? You decided that Everton were probably not going to make it into the top six, but if you have to pick any team to to, uh, to break through and that you'd predict that they'd probably finish seventh, top of that 7-12 lineup. I think they finished bottom of the 7-12 uh, group, actually. They finished 12th in the end. It doesn't. It's funny enough. They finished twelfth, and you picked them to finish seventh. That doesn't sound as bad as it actually was, given the the season that Everton yeah. had, where they sacked their manager. Um, and I think that's pretty much it. Um, that's all. Like you know, there was no. Oh, Arsenal to finish in top four was something that you talked about a lot, and they they were seven to five, and obviously that didn't happen. Um, so that's pretty much it, Mark. They were our predictions. Look, I wanted. I said that Villa weren't going to go down. And you said that Bournemouth would and Leicester finished Leicester. in the top six and we'll take that, you know? Poor we'll old Rodri, that. though. Poor old Rodri could be playing another 40 years and wouldn't win player of the year. We move on. The good news is that we're only a few weeks away from making our <laughs> predictions for next season, which... Uh, it should be very handy for punters who are listed in because they'll know who not to go for, you know? <laughs> oh, that top scorer one is funny. We're just like, yeah, none of them even <laughs> ended up in the top three of the three people I named. Anyway... Oh, to this weekend, it is 1-2 free time. It's your chance to win €100 Euro cash by correctly predicting the score of three of this weekend's football matches. The Premier League is over, but there's plenty on still, including the new season in the Scottish, uh, the Labrook Scottish Premiership. Uh, so this week, the games that Labrooks have up are the Arsenal against Chelsea in the FA Cup, Benfica against Porto in Oatlasico, and Celtic against Hamilton on Sunday in the first game of the aforementioned Labrooks Premiership. So... Up first, Arsenal and Chelsea make FA Cup, Cup final. final. Cup for? final, Cup final, London Derby. Uh, shades of the 2002 FA Cup final. And I think one a bit more recent between these two teams. Uh, look, both teams are massively leaky at the back. Both teams are highly inconsistent that anything could happen. 
Um, so we should be looking at a kind of a three all here, like you know, or four four all maybe, you know, um, like the, the two thousand six FA Cup final. But you know, it's not going to happen. And I think Chelsea are going to win it one nil, and their inconsistency is going to come back to haunt us when we're all ready for a big FA Cup final. Yeah, well, it's funny you mentioned that because I'm actually going for two all here, and I'm going to talk hey, about it. You're, in go, more you're going for what should happen, and I'm yeah. going for what won't happen just to annoy me. It's a special uh, preview of my big shout as well. We'll get to that in a second. But second game up, Benfica against Porto. So Mick, yeah, you can go first here, Mark. How about that? I don't, like, you know, big Lisbon derby here. I know you have a lot of thoughts on it. I have so many thoughts on it. I'm not going to lie. I haven't researched this one jot. So I'm going to just pick a, a score off the top of my head. I'm going to say that Porto are going to win this and they're going to win a 2-1. Oh, I've got 3-1. Porto, will, there you, go. you know, you would imagine will certainly win. Oh, Classico. Um, you know, given that they're good. Uh, Celtic and Hamilton then, Mark, right? The start of the Scottish Premiership. The, yes. the, the, the quest for 10 in a row starts Celtic Park half four on Sunday. And Celtic are going to win this 5-0. 5-0 you're going for? Oh, yeah. Holy God. Uh, I'm going for a more uh, respectable 3-1 win uh, for Celtic. Um, I don't know. I just think it's hard to know. We can't say with the Scottish, with the league being cut short last season as well. Uh, everybody's probably raring to go, but I think, I think Hamilton, will, it'll be, you know, Celtic will get the third goal towards the end of the game and they'll just ease off 3-1 win. But there you have it. I'm going for two all yeah. in Arsenal and Chelsea. 2-1 to Porto against Benfica and 3-1 Celtic Hamilton. And I went for 1-0 to Chelsea, 3-1 to Porto and 5-0 to Celtic, which immediately sounds pretty stupid. Celtic, like, were, you know, I think I was watching too many Henrik Larson clips during the lockdown and I'd forgotten. Well, Hamilton did. I think Hamilton were uh, just avoided relegation last season um, on the points per game. But when Celtic played them, I think it was 3-1 and 1-0 um, in the matches last year. So, or last season. But, um, We'll see. Should look at it. It's, it's the first weekend of the season. It's going to be a difficult one to predict. But this should be a bit of fun because there's three very different games there. And again, usually we mightn't be paying attention to the uh, Portuguese Cup final and now we can have a bit of crack. And you can play it yourself as well. You can get on to labrooks.com right now. If you play one, two, three, it's your chance to win 100 euro cash. If you get one right, you get a euro free bet. If you get two, you get a five euro free bet. And if you get all three, you win 100 euro cash. That's free to play. And up next, we are going to try and win two cakes in a sports biography in our big shout. Right. Hold it! Steady. Just hold it, Alan! Push him out! Steady! David, don't! Get round! No, no, don't! Bloody! Big shout time. Can I, I... Like, I think, actually, I don't know whether the quest here... Obviously, if this is your first time listening. The big shout is a competition we have every week on the show where listeners can join in. You can email the gaffer at buzz.e and send us your big shout for the sporting weekend. Big shout, what does, how does it qualify to be a big shout? It has to be 25 to 1 or greater on Labbrooks. All you have to do is send us your selection and what the odds are. If it comes off, you win yourself two cakes in a sports biography. Myself, Mick, and everybody else in Buzz have been playing along as well every week coming up with one. But at this point, I think, Mick, for me and you, the competition here isn't if we, our big shout can come off. It's who can be comically wrong the most. Or like, you know, who can outdo the other. So last week, you yeah. remind me, it was a 36-game winning streak, was it? It was a 36-game unbeaten streak that unbeaten the Crusaders uh, it came crashing down uh, to the Hurricanes, um, as well as two other results gone against me. But yeah, I, th- I do think I, th- I think you're right in that uh, there is something like 
it's almost more, I think it's more satisfying for the other person when the more comically wrong goes because if True. you're just trying to be comically wrong that can be easy though. oh yeah not yet oh absolutely uh, not trying to be by yeah. just being by trying to be right we'll end up being comically <laughs> wrong this week I have, it's a double it's a simple double a double I like it okay and it comes in I tried this last two weeks ago 39.8 to 1 on labrooks.com and if you use the odds boost it's actually 44.5 to 1 okay so this, this is, is gonna happen. almost double the big shout uh, yeah, this is a I thought huge show. I was trying to find uh, an alternative to it. I was like, actually, no, this is my gut, and I like it. So, Arsenal against Chelsea this weekend in the FA Cup final. As I mentioned, I three think it's going to be somewhere. two all. Uh, so I've gone with a draw. Oh, it could okay. be two all. It could be three all. I think Simple it's going to be lots of goals in it. Ninety minute I draw. Go, I couldn't decide who was going to win it, and then I thought, you know what, Mark? If you can't decide who's going to win it, it's going to be a draw after ninety minutes. So it doesn't matter who lifts the cup in the end. Ninety minute draw. At twelve to five, with the odds boosted five to two on Labrooks, and then the British Grand Prix is on this weekend. Oh, here we go! Yep, Lando Norris of McLaren finished third in the first race of the season. Finished fifth, I think it was, uh, in the second race. McLaren now wouldn't be, you know, predicted. You wouldn't be predicting them to get another podium again. Maybe not even for the rest of the season. But it is the British Grand Prix, so it's going to mean an awful lot to them, and they have been much improved this year they're the, probably the most maybe with Racing Point they're the most improved uh, team in the two two races so far I might add <laughs> so it's hard to draw conclusions so he's 11 to 1 to finish on the podium three and you never know what's going to happen yeah. uh, like I don't know it's a bit of, it's a bit of crack I mean it's it's something to get enthused about upon you know our McLaren is Formula 1 back we don't know, and frankly, we don't care. Uh, but this big shout for this weekend only, I'm going for. I'm I'm, I'm going all in on Lando Norris, and I'm going, which brings it to four. Like I said, thirty nine point eight to one Labrooks, forty four and a half to one. I'm going to win myself two cakes in sports car. Yeah, I like it. I like the I like the idea. I like the fact that it's nice and simple and easy to remember. Um, and I definitely think that look, you've been on this McLaren bandwagon for a while. Why not? You know, they could like things can happen. You just need to, you, you, it rules the Mercedes out and you just need to finish third. It could easily happen, right? I do have a question as to why, uh, you know, if, if, if one thing makes it so, if uh, the McLaren, because the British Grand Prix will mean an awful lot to them when half of the teams are English for a start. And even so, it's like, surely the rest of them, it's like, what, they're not bothered with Silverstone? Are Mercedes holding off for the German Grand Prix? <laughs> well, like, <laughs> and also Mercedes. Nothing uh, to do with the track, or nothing to do with like yeah. the speed of the track, or anything like or that. Or fastest, or... fastest driver in Formula One, possibly best driver in Formula One history, and in Silverstone ever, uh, Englishman Lewis Hamilton <laughs> driving for Mercedes, <laughs> who won't give a rat's arse about the race. Hopefully, <laughs> barely show up. <laughs> I hear uh, Max Verstappen and Sergio Perez are going to race it in reverse. Uh, <laughs> oh, no, I, I heard, I heard Vettel's not even turned it up. He's he's hanging on for he's hanging on for Germany. It's like you know, it's like the PGA Tour. They can pick and choose which ones mean to them. But like this is like an Irish. This is like Shane Lowry coming back to win the Irish Open. McLaren coming. Yeah. <laughs> if you go in terms of teams, you've got Mercedes. In terms of the betting for like. The different drivers or whatever it's Mercedes followed by a mixture then of Verstappen with the Red Bull and Perez and Stroll and Racing Point and Albon and the Red Bull so it's two teams really that McLaren have to get ahead of um, 
if everybody were to race, obviously, and you're counting then Mercedes as a one-two, yeah. which is which seems to happen every race now. But uh, anyway, look, it's a bit of fun. You can send us in your big shouts yourself. You can send them to the gaffer at balls.e. I just put big shout in the headline. If the 25 to 1 are greater on labrooks.com and they come off, you will win yourself two cakes and a sports biography. But now it is time to get PJ Brown on the line and chat about the week's club championship action. PJ Brown joins us on the line now and adds there is no time to even think about the All-Ireland GEA quiz because there's so many games going on. So many games have already happened. Uh, I'm looking at a list here that the GEA has set out. There's about 140 in it and that barely scratches the surface when you look down through all the different divisions. I'm looking at a list, PJ, that you have on site of games that are available to stream or to watch on television and there's over 40 of those alone and that probably doesn't cover them all as well. It's madness. You, you, you get a real case of FOMO at the moment. There's just like, there is so much going on that you, you can, there's always like going to be some, you, you feel like there's something better going on somewhere else the whole time in the GA world at the moment. Yeah, it's like we were laughing because we were off air. We were talking about uh, Ballyhale Shamrocks are playing Tullerone this uh, weekend. It's on Friday night on TG Cahar. Uh, Ballyhale, the reigning All-Ireland senior hurling club champions. Tullerone, the reigning All-Ireland intermediate club champions. I was like, this is something that you'd never never see where it's like two All-Ireland champions facing each other in the same Week or the same match in the same year because you rarely ever have two winners in the same county in the different divisions. And then we looked across the country to Galway this weekend, and Uchtarard, the reigning All Ireland Intermediate Football Champions, are playing the reigning All Ireland Intermediate Senior Football Champions in Corrafin in Galway. It's madness. It's unbelievable. There's also a great thing this week as well, where you know you've got a lot of counties that were out last week in dual counties are kind of. It's this class thing now where a load of lads who played football in Cork last week are going out in the Hurling Championship this week. A lot of play, like in Clare, maybe not so much, but all the Cratlow lads who had a big, huge win in the Hurling Championship against Kilmaley um, at the weekend all going out in the Football Championship. That's basically the same team playing again. And it's just, I, lo- I love that as well. That the, you know, it's one of like 50 things that we're probably going to talk about about what's great about this club season. And I like this, this one particular one and you know, having it in Dublin, Cork. Galway and some clubs, Clare and some clubs, few other places, you know, where they're just like hurling one week football the next, hurling the next week. It's just, I said, it confused as to what they're going to train them with some days. It would always also be remiss of us to mention when we talk about the games that come up at the weekend, we're recording this on Wednesday and there's surprise football and hurling on this weekend or tonight because you've got the Dublin Club Hurling Championship on, you've got a uh, football championship with the likes of uh, Antrim as well. So there's loads happening. At the weekend though, lads, like there's a lot, from the last, listen to the coverage, watching the coverage of the last week or so, there are, it, are, it is mad situation we're in there. There's so many straight things that have amazed me about it. One of them being uh, listening to the different probable teams, just listening to We Are Carving during the week. It's become, it's just become the norm that you really, like, they'll just reference, oh, this lad, such a lad is in quarantine, so we're not sure if he's uh, going to be able to play. And it's like, you don't even pass any remarks of it. And it's just thinking, imagine a year ago having a player that's in quarantine. And you'd say, what in the name of God is going on here? Well, imagine a year ago, uh, people being on radio looking for tickets for matches and being involved in club draws for matches for the first round of the for the first round of the championship in the club game, where sometimes there's like nine nine tickets available for fans and things like that. So there's so many different surreal things going on that all add to it. Lads in quarantine, at least it frees up a space for another one for another winner for the draw, I suppose. When somebody. Right. 
listened to another podcast the other day. It was like it's amazing to hear like Anthony Daly t- talking about how he might not be able to get a ticket for a Clare Castle game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, and then we were listening to like the Joe Canning sending off on TG Carr, and you can hear everything that's been said, the arguments for it. Uh, that you know that he uh, he got sent off for pull and helmet off, which he didn't. Um, it was you're kind of like, oh, I wonder how they're going to take this, and then you can hear every word of it, which is so yeah. strange. So it's been he, uh, great, isn't it? So I think we all agree. Like, there's a, it's also like, actually, there was a little bit of that, uh, that Portumna game that I was thinking, Jesus, and the, the Limerick game Friday night as well, when you're thinking, this has been played on a nice pitch that's like short grass, it's not up to their ankles, and it's a club game. You know, it's like you're, you're so used to seeing, especially by the time it's on TV, it's been played in the depths of winter when all the inter-county players are tired and they're not probably shining as well as they could be unless they're Brendan Marr last year or something like that standing out ahead, ahead above everybody else. But it's, uh, that's a bit another like, um, real standout thing for me is just kind of seeing it always, it almost feels already a higher level. Sometimes when you're watching club games, you feel like this is a real drop off from what we've just seen. And of course it is in a way, but also it's like, because, uh, production values are down and you know there's nobody in the grounds and it's it's wintry and it's uh the grass is too long and everything like that but suddenly now it's obviously just nobody in the ground but it's been played in kind of summery lovely conditions and beautiful pitches and you're thinking this is a great game you know it's a there's so much about perception when it comes to these things as well you know so i think the the benefit the club ga is going to be so massive over the next few weeks it's unbelievable definitely your standout moment from the weekend gone by pj I two incredible comebacks in uh, in Roscommon, where uh, twenty eight on Saturday I think it was twenty eighteen champions Clan the Gale came from eleven points down against uh, Bridget's. They scored one one in injury time, including an equaliser from Cottleshine with the last kick of the game. And you kind of think, I thought like this is the comeback of the weekend. It can't get any better than this. Except it did. <laughs> on, on Sunday in the Rothcommon Senior Football Championship when Patrick Pierce's, the 20 reigning champions, came from 12 points down with 20 minutes to play against <laughs> Boyle. They were three, I think it was 3-7 to 4 points down. They scored 2-7, 2-6, I think it was 2-6 without reply, to draw the game. Wow. Outrageous stuff. Cahill Shine's point, I'll tell you how far, for anyone who hasn't listened who hasn't seen it, how far out it was. It was one of those points that you're watching it and everyone's reacting going, that's a fantastic point. Despite the fact nobody actually sees the point go over because he's so far out, the camera can't pick up <laughs> and span in time from where he's taking the shot from. It must be nearly the halfway line. It was, it was, a, mo- it was like a monster kick. And uh, yeah, last one of the game too. Uh, this weekend, though, what's coming up? What have we got in terms of the whatever we have? We're saying there are over 140 games listed. What are the standout ones <laughs> that are going to be available to watch? Uh, just turning to Kerry again, I think uh, one, one to note is a local rivalry in the uh, is between Kinmare and Temple No. So you have Kinmare, kind of big town. They beat Kearns Rallies at the weekend. Uh, Good game, actually. They, uh, they beat Kearns Rallies by two points, kind of rallied at the end, got a, got a few scores. Paul O'Connor scored a cracking goal for them. They're taking on Temple Noah, which is the little village out the road, about 12 miles out the road, where you've got 
kind of Ty Morley and Gavin Crowley and uh, Pat Spillane's nephews, Adrian and Killian, playing for them. So, and they lost at the weekend to uh, Crokes. Crokes who look really, really good. They were like, their movement, like as always with Crokes, their kind of movement is, players' movement is incredible. Like their understanding of each other. Tony Brosnan was really good for them. So yeah, it's Khmer uh, against Temple No is that's kind of one I'm looking forward to definitely. That's on that's on Friday night as well. Cool. What else have we got? We're looking through. There's the there's um there's a lot, and I'm looking at every county seems like, which is great to see all the different counties. Like Galway GA have so many games listed. Mayo GA as well. You got Derry. There's this list is all up on our website. You can check them out. Waterford GA Four Masters. Uh, GA as well for the Donegal Senior Football Championship. These are all games uh, available to stream, Mark. Is that right? All available to stream. Yeah. Yep. You're looking at uh, four masters against Guidor. Um, the RT2, then you've got St. Finbars against Glen Rovers as well. That is on, I think that's second of the, second of August is Saturday night, isn't it? Yeah, Saturday, Saturday night. night yeah. That's a that massive game, be- too. The biggest city clubs in, in, in Cork up against each other. Um, two places that I was actually four balls that eat within a couple of months of each other there a couple of years ago. So I feel torn between my, my uh, work loyalties here of uh, my time in the bars and my time in the Glen. Who should I, yep. who should I shout for, PJ? Uh, I, I think I always got to go for the Glen. I've got, yeah, a, spent, I've got a soft spot for Patrick Horgan. Yeah, spent longer there anyway, so we'll go, we'll go with that, yeah. I, one thing to watch out for is if there's a game from somewhere that you think, God, I'd love to watch that. I can't see if there's a live stream. There's probably a live stream. There, <laughs> there seems to be live streams for absolutely everything. I was on Saturday night sitting down having, having the dinner and I just thought that my home club, Ballyduff, were taking on Fossa, David, the, the club of David Clifford and Body Clifford in Tralee and you're like oh god I'd love to be watching that there's no live stream go on to buy those Twitter account you know, they're saying up in a few minutes live stream from Austin Stack <laughs> Park in Tralee <laughs> belly off against Fossa free was it free free totally free right okay that's and interesting I thought Cork were the only ones doing it for free I think some clubs are doing it outside of the county board and hoping to get away with it to be honest I think in the the wild wild west but I, I, I think like it, there's there's definitely like, I mean, I know of a club that tried to do it and the county board were down them going, no, we've got three games and we're selling them for eight euro or whatever it is and you're not allowed to show games up against it, which is a pity, you know. It's a pity that they're, you know, this has all been done because people can't go to games, but then it's almost being treated like a TV deal mm. in some counties, you know, and exclusive rights and all this kind of stuff that is, I think, against the spirit of what it was brought in for in the first place. Butcher, you're always going to get that. There's nothing we can do about it. But good to see you in other places, uh, PJ, that aren't uh, so backward that uh, people are just letting it flow. And if that, uh, you that, are... that game featured eight goals and 24 points. Not bad for a free game. <laughs> I'm telling you. <laughs> On Twitter. Saturday night, well spent. Uh, and if, you're, if you can't wait until the weekend as well, Dubs TV have got St. Bridget's against St. Jude's in the Dublin Senior Hurling Championship uh, this evening at half past seven as well as you can check that out there but I hope whatever games you're watching at the weekend you enjoy them if you're having any bets on the GA or indeed any of the sport this weekend be sure to gamble responsibly you can visit dunlouis.net for more information if this is your first time listening to the podcast you're not subscribed yet please do subscribe you can find us by searching the build up on Ballsdaddy on all good podcast apps please do rate and review the show as well but until we chat to you next week mind yourself <laughs>